Well, good morning, everybody, and we are here celebrating Palm Sunday together, and so we are so glad that you decided to join with us wherever you are right now. We give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, and His love endures forever. Great video with the kids and the palm branches. Thanks for participating and being able to do that. Thank you, Amy, for putting together such a great video. Thank you for all the participation, for those who are involved. And hopefully, you still have your palm branches. Um, because if you were like me as a child, you probably had your palm branches and were waving around, smacking your brother or sister. You were picking the pieces off. You were making strings or whatever. Hopefully, your palm branches are in good enough shape to be able to take them with you later this afternoon as we gather together in our cars uh, as we do a Palm Sunday uh, drive through McPherson uh, parade-wise. This morning we come together and we are celebrating Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, which really is marking the beginning of the end for his ministry here on earth. And so what exactly happened as Jesus entered into Jerusalem. We read it earlier together, but I think it's important for us to hear it once again. So if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along in your screen at home, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? And the crowd answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If there was ever a time for there to be a slow motion entrance, this would be it. I was hoping that the Jesus Project movie uh, that we maybe some of us have seen would show Jesus coming in in the slow motion there on his donkey and the disciples by him and the crowd cheering. This would be the ultimate slow motion entrance. Can you just imagine for a moment what it would be like? Jesus is here entering Jerusalem on his donkey. People are crowded around him. They are shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. TMZ is trying to get an interview with Jesus. The paparazzi, they're taking pictures. There's video cameras in his face. There's microphones. They all want to hear from Jesus. And people are just crowding around him. There is pandemonium in the city. 
And some people, when they heard what the uproar that was going on in the city, they were like, hey, who is this? Like, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. Have you not heard of this guy yet? Four days later, four days later, many of the people who were there shouting praises, who were lifting Jesus up, the ones who were laying the palm branches and their coats on the ground would be the same people who would be spitting on Jesus, who would be throwing curses on Jesus. They would be the same people who would be calling for his crucifixion four days later. What happened? Everyone loved Jesus, and then four days later, everyone hates Jesus. It's kind of like vanilla ice, you know? Everyone loved vanilla ice. And then, I don't know, within a week, something happened, and then nobody loved vanilla ice. I still love vanilla ice, though. Rob, much love to you, brother. Jesus, knowing that this was the beginning of the end, knew that he had to take care of some things here on earth. Far too long he had let these things go because the time was not yet ready. Far too long Jesus had seen the extortion that was going on, the embezzling of funds. Far too long he had seen the oppression of the people taking care of, um, taking advantage of those who were poor. Far too long, Jesus had seen money changers in the temple trying to make a profit and selling things instead of using the temple as a place to worship and pray to God. So what does Jesus do when he enters Jerusalem? We're going to continue staying in Matthew chapter 21, but if you want to turn with me, we're going to read verses 12 through 17. Jesus entered the temple area, or entered the temple courts, and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying, they asked him? Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants, you, Lord, have called forth your praise? And he left them, and he went out of the city to Bethany, where he spent the night. Jesus, later on, he continues to go on, and he tells of two parables. And at the end of the two parables, we see what the reaction was from the religious leaders. If you want to skip down in uh chapter 21 to verse 45 through 46. It says, When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Can you just imagine for one moment what it would have been like to be one of the disciples with Jesus as he entered Jerusalem? Shouts of the praises of people around him. People laying their coats down before your feet and branches, palm branches. 
And the disciples are like, yeah, that's right. That's our rabbi. We've been with him for three years. This is our guy. Yeah, isn't he great? Yeah, he deserves this. Absolutely, this is wonderful. And they are just soaking it in, and they are loving every moment. And then Jesus gets off his donkey, and they enter into Jerusalem, and they're like, all right, yeah, let's see what Jesus is going to do next. Uh, uh Uh-oh, you're... you're, uh, he's turning over tables now. He's throwing the money changers out with whips, and he's and he's calling people some names, and and they're like, uh, okay, didn't expect that, but um, okay, oh, good, you're gonna you're gonna turn to some parables now. This is good. Okay, this is good. Stories are always good. Let's hear about what these parables. This is awkward now, Jesus. Um, this is getting pretty bad. You cannot just be going around throwing money tables, throwing these money changers out and and calling these Pharisees a bunch of brood of vipers and then talking about them in these parables. You're going to get yourself arrested, Jesus. You're going to get yourself killed. And this is what Jesus needed to do. Jesus knew what he had to do and he was willing to be obedient to the call in his life. He was obedient to the call his father was making in his life. Palm Sunday is more than just the victory that we see at the end of the week with Jesus defeating death and the, and the resurrection that we celebrate next Sunday at Easter. Because if, if we just skip out on what Jesus did when he entered into Jerusalem, we'd be missing part of the story and the calling that God is calling us in our life. You see, Jesus was bold in proclaiming the kingdom of God. Jesus didn't shy away from what God was calling him to do, and yet sometimes me, I shy away from what God is calling me to do. Sometimes I get a little uncomfortable around people, and I, and I think, well, you know, I don't know if I really want to talk about Jesus right now. Um, I don't know if I want to bring up heaven and hell or anything. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to offend anybody, you know, Not that I should be carrying my Bible around and bashing people over the head with it and be like, if you have not accepted Jesus, you're going to hell and just condemning people left and right. I'm not saying I should be doing that, but at least I could be leading the direction of the conversations to the things of God. I could be describing about what Jesus is doing in my life and how he has been continuously changing my life year after year. I can certainly be doing that. But there is a cost to following Jesus. There is a cost to being a disciple. There's a reason why Jesus says, if any of you want to follow me, they must deny themselves, pick up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But for whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. There is a cost to discipleship. There was a story I heard many years ago, and I don't even remember where I heard it, but it was a story of a chicken and a cow and a pig. They were hanging out together in the farm, the barnyard, whatever. They're having a good time. They're laughing it up. Well, the cow looks around and he says, hey, chicken and pig, there's this crisis going on with COVID-19. You see, I'm, I'm making a cultural context move here within the story. All right, you're welcome. So the cow is like, hey, I heard about this COVID-19 issue that's going on. I think we should do something to help out our people. Well, the chicken and the pig were like, hey, this is a good idea. Hey, cow, go for it. What do you think we should do? And so they start brainstorming some ideas. And the chicken said, hey, 
I think that we can give them some food. I mean, after all, we do live on a farm. Well, the cow says, I can, I can give them milk. And the chicken, you know, raises his little chicken wing or whatever. And is like, hey, we could give them eggs. Hey, and pig, you can give them bacon. And they're like, yeah, this is a great idea. And the pig is like, time out, guys. Hold on. Now, I appreciate you wanting to help out the people, but you're just kind of not really sacrificing as much as I am. You see, you're, you're kind of committed. You're giving people what you have. But if I'm going to give up bacon and ham, I'm sacrificing my entire life for this endeavor. At any given moment, at any given day, there is a cost to following Jesus. Are we simply just giving him a little bit of what we have? Or are we giving him all of who we are? You see, Jesus doesn't want just a little bit of what we have. He wants all of who we are. I've been thinking about what discipleship has really been costing me lately. Specifically, what is discipleship really costing me right now during this crisis within this COVID-19? I mean, I can't hang out with people physically. I can't meet with people throughout the week that I normally do. I don't get to hang out at the grocery store or say hi to people and, and just have conversations with people. My neighbors I'm supposed to kind of stay away from as well. And so I've been thinking, what is discipleship really costing me right now? Perhaps some of you are wondering, how is being a committed follower of Jesus Christ in this whole pandemic of what is happening affecting me? And how am I counting the cost of discipleship? What do I do in this crisis that will allow me to continue following God's calling in my life? Well, I'm glad you asked because I'm going to give you some ideas of what you could be doing. For those of you who call Countryside Covenant your home, our regular attenders and members, maybe you have a church directory at home. And for those of you who don't, you can email the church and we can send you a digital copy of our directory. Why not look at the people to your left and to your right, above you or below you, and why not write them a letter? And if they have the same last name or you're related to them, just skip over them uh, to the next two or three people down the row or above you or below you and write a letter to them. Yes, an actual handwritten letter. Why not write them a note? And we have a large congregation. Perhaps there's people in our church that you've never even met. We have two services and hundreds of people come to each service. And so there's a great likelihood that the person that you're writing, you might not have any idea who they are. So why not just write them a letter? Send them an encouraging note. Let them know that you are praying for them in this situation. And then actually pray for them. For those of you who are able to get out of your homes and, and go on a walk, or even if you're just needing to get out of the house and just drive around for a little bit, those houses and those apartment buildings that you pass, why not just take a moment and pray for the people that are in those homes? Well, I don't know necessarily what to pray about for those people. Just ask God, God, what is it that you want me to be praying about them or for them about? And he'll reveal what it is that you want to say or what you need to say. 
For others in your neighborhood, you already know what the addresses are on the people's homes. You might not know who lives there, so you could say, the resident of. You know, you get that spam mail uh, every once in a while at your door, but just write, look, to the resident of. My name is so-and-so. I live at so-and-so. I'm a Christian, and I want to let you know that during this time of uncertainty, I am praying for you. I care about you and your family. I don't know if we've ever met, or maybe you have met, but commit to praying for those people as well. We want to be bold in proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe share a little bit about what Christ has done in your life and the hope that you have in the resurrection of Christ, especially during this Holy Week. What an appropriate time to be able to do that. There's another opportunity that we can do prayer together as well. It's called the Daily Office. It's when you turn on your TV and you watch seven episodes of The Office. No, it's not what you do. The Daily Office is setting time aside seven times a day and just giving them to God. That you are purposefully interrupting your life to acknowledge God, God's presence around you, and to pray. Whatever is prompting on your heart, give it to God and to pray about it. There are things that are going on in your life that you just need to get over to God. And perhaps setting a scheduled time seven times throughout the day, um, maybe that won't work for you. So maybe those interruptions in your life where you feel like going out to eat at your favorite restaurant, but you can't dine in, maybe that would be a time to pray. When you have a desire to go over to someone's house or to meet with someone and you can't take that time to pray. You see, there is interruptions in our life that are happening right now and we would be amiss if we did not take advantage of it. Some of you are stuck at home with your kids and you see it as being stuck at home with your kids. You might get a little stir crazy. I appreciate that, okay? I'm not always the best person to be around. You can ask my kids. When are we going to have another opportunity like this to be with our children, to pray with them, to disciple them, to get them involved in writing those notes or letters with us? We have an incredible opportunity, and we shouldn't be wasting it. I want to close with us looking at Romans chapter 10. It's in verse 14 through 15. It says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. You see, God still calls us to be purposeful. God is still calling us to be his disciples. There is an immense opportunity to respond to God. And we can take as Jesus did when he entered into Jerusalem and Jesus was riding on his donkey. He did not stay on his donkey. He got off and he did and he proclaimed the kingdom of God. Perhaps we, perhaps I need to get off my donkey and respond to what God is calling me to do and how I can be responding to this world around us. It is Palm Sunday this morning and we give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his love endures forever. Would you pray with me? 
God, you are good, and your love endures forever, and we praise you. We proclaim your good name in this parts of McPherson and the parts of around the world. You are worthy of all praise, glory, and honor. And sometimes we get shy. Sometimes we get a little timid with what you are calling us to do. But God, you are calling us to be bold and beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. So help us to be bold and beautiful, God, as we lean into you and press into you and respond to you as we fulfill um, our purpose as a disciple here on earth. Help us to be able to take these opportunities and respond, and rather than just sitting on the sidelines. Pray for all those who are listening in this morning as well. Pray all these things in your name. Amen.